7. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, please. And uh, I'm going to pray one more time because there was something I mentioned I forgot to mention, and uh, we need to pray about it. All right. Many of you know um, Josh and Cheyenne Smith, and Josh's brother passed away. And some of you would know that, and it's a difficult thing. And so we just need to pray for them and pray for the family through that. And I'm sorry I did not mention that earlier. And, um, and so uh, I'll pray through that, and then we'll get into Ecclesiastes 7. Lord, we come to you, and there's heavy hearts tonight, Lord, with Josh and Cheyenne, Lord, and the Knipes and all of them, Lord, their family, Josh's family. Lord, I pray, God, please, that you'd help with this death of his brother. Lord, I don't understand it all, and I'm sure they don't either. God, I pray that you would use this however you see fit. Maybe somebody would come to Christ through it. Lord, that doesn't make it easier for everybody involved all the time, but God, I pray that your will would be accomplished. I pray you'd put your arms, Lord, uh, around Josh and his family and comfort and help, and uh, Lord, all the family involved there. And Lord, as they prepare for funeral and all these things, God, would you just help them and give them that peace, Lord, from you that passes all understanding. We love you. We ask for help tonight in Ecclesiastes. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated as we dive into chapter 7 and verse 1. We've been going verse by verse through the book of Ecclesiastes and thankful for it. God gave us the Word of God in this specific book for a reason. And Solomon here is an aged man teaching uh, some things. And uh, he's, uh, Lord's taught me a lot through it. We begin in verse 1 of chapter 7. It says, A good name is better than precious ointment, and the day of death than the day of one's birth. It is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting. For that is the end of all men, and the living will lay it to his heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, for by the sadness of the countenance, the heart is made better. This doesn't seem like it fits, does it? Seems, it seems opposite almost. It seems as if our wisdom and our knowledge wants to say the opposite of that. You think that, well, you get, you get around some folks and you laugh a little bit and you have some fun and it picks your spirit up. The Bible talks about that a little bit. But Solomon here, being used of God to teach us, something that perhaps we miss sometimes. And he's talking about some negative things here, but he starts in verse 1, a good name. A good name. What does that mean? A good name. I believe he's talking to holiness, righteousness. A good name is better than precious ointment. Think about a name. I wonder, would you say that you have a good name? God says in the book of Proverbs, he uses Solomon in his early days when he's considering the wisdom that God was given him, that uh, a, a good name is rather than to be chosen than great riches. And better to, have, better to have a name that has character and that means something than it is to be a, a person of wealth or power. Amen? We forget that sometimes. A good name rather to be chosen than great riches here. You think about uh, holiness and righteousness. Think about uh, how that a good name helps your name to live on even after your death. 
We're going to see this context here when he talks about mourning and the house, uh, the time of mourning versus the house of feasting and all of that. And, and a good name can live on through the generations and make an impact even to come. Consider for a moment in our country some names that would stand out in our history. A good name might be George Washington. Yeah. Praise God. That was a great man. If you've never been down to his home, Mount Vernon there, and, and right on the Potomac, and look at the, the, all the things that he was able to accomplish and the kind of man that he was. If you, if you think about a good name, Abraham Lincoln. A man of character that stood in a time of division. He understood, and he even quoted Scripture in the process. He said, a house divided cannot stand. Based on principles of the Word of God that Jesus said first. Amen? We think about that. We consider those things. Look what he says. It's better than precious ointment. What is precious ointment? Precious, something uh, you long after, something that is costly, something is desirable. When you think about ointments in the Old Testament then in the Bible times, they used them even more than we do. I know some of you get into that thing where you got these oils, right, and you burn them, and you got this stuff floating in the air, and you're like... I'm getting it, Pastor. It's just, I paid $319 for this little vial and I'm just getting it. I don't know what that all means. And maybe it helps you. I have no idea. My redneck bringing, that doesn't, it didn't mean nothing to me. I don't know. We just, a bar of soap and you're good. Okay. All right. Hallelujah. Um, but in the Old Testament time and in Bible times, ointment was, was precious. Some, some, some ointment. Different, there was different ointments. Oftentimes an ointment. When I think about an ointment, Mark, I don't know what you think about, buddy, but I think about Neosporin. You know, every once in a you got to cut, man, you got to slap that thing on there. Right? It's soothing. Sure helps, Neosporin helps to feel better, doesn't it? Yeah, you're going after, you got a big bandage, you got to just put that on there first. I taught my kids that. You just Squeeze a little bit out of that thing and rub it in and then put, slap a bandage on it. be all right. Amen? I know we laugh about it. Just rub some dirt on it. Amen. All right, move on, right? But Neosporin, that's what I think of. Maybe you have some other things, whatever that is, the technical term for it. I don't know. I just know the brand name. Uh, but it sure, it, it does multiple things, doesn't it? It feels better and it helps kill germs. Yes? Yes, it does. But... The ointments that Solomon would have known is even more than that. There, there was a, a region of Israel over on the east side of the Jordan that, uh, remember the two and a half tribes settled there? It was Gilead. And, and there was a tree that grew there. And I'm thinking about maybe one of these days I'll preach a message on it. The, the balm of Gilead, the Bible talks about. And that balm was a, was a sap like, oh, from the tree, they made a resin out of it, and it was an ointment. And it had uh, medicinal properties to it, similar to that of aspirin. It would help swelling. It would help things to feel better. Some of the aches and pains would go away. And it also had a sweet odor to it where they'd mix things in with it, and it would smell good. Solomon couldn't go down to the store and buy himself a stick of deodorant. So what did they do? They used ointments. They use things to help them to smell nice and, and, and to, to be pleasing in the aroma there. It was, they were, these things were sought after. And so what he's saying is a good name is even better than that. 
better than people that, that you have a good presence about you, a sweet smelling and it's medicinal purposes for you. Better is that than is you have a good name. Be a man of character. Our world doesn't really know much about that anymore, does it? Being a man of character. Does your, does your name mean a man of character? Consider that. Look at the rest of the verse there. It says, and the day of death than the day of one's birth. He's saying that the day that you die, we just talked about Rick Rust, right? Uh, part of the Baptist church planning ministry. He just went on to glory. And in the last couple days of his life, he put out there on the internet, and he said, I just want to give thanks to God for what he's done in my life, and I trust him, and my, day is, my days are ending. And God used his testimony uh, for the world. His funeral... It will be difficult for his family, but it'll be sweet also because his wife will say, I'm going to see him again. I know where he's at, and he was a man of character. Right? And what Solomon's saying here is that day was better than the day he was born. You think, well, that, that doesn't make any sense, Pastor. What, consider for a moment the wisdom that Solomon's trying to teach us here. The day that you're born, you've not made any impact yet. You might have been a cute little ball of snot, but I mean, sometimes babies aren't so cute either. You ever, anybody have any ugly baby? No, I'm just kidding. All right. Sometimes you see somebody's baby, and oh, look at this precious little thing. You're like, man, that looks like E.T., right? You know what I'm saying? Not every baby is all that great looking. But anyways, baby hasn't, God hasn't used them in their life just yet, right? There's no, no impact. And you think about a day of... Um, some of you are having a hard time there with your babies and what they're like. I remember when uh, Adeline was born, and uh, I started showing people pictures. I found this ugly something on the Internet, and I started showing people pictures of this ugly thing with growth on the head and everything. I said, look, my baby. And I was, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, I'm just sneaky, sneaky that way. Amen? Mrs. Kidwell, I don't do any tricks on people, do I? Especially when they're vacuuming around a church or something like that. Amen. Brother Kidwell's going to shoot me in here soon. Um, back to the scripture. I'm rambling a little bit. All right, back to the scripture. God's teaching us here that the day of death is better than the day of birth. Okay? A man of character, a man that's made an impact, has let God use him. And consider a funeral of somebody like that. When people that have been led to Christ by this man come and give him honor and say, look, I, I, I am alive spiritually because this man pointed the way. A day of death is surely better than the day of birth when we consider those things. It's difficult, but we can see that what he's pointing out here. Look at verse 2. It is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting. Okay, the house of mourning, weeping, uh, uh, having difficulty, sorrow. Why is it better to go through that than it is to go through feasting? When he says a house of feasting here, he's talking about a party. He's talking about we get together, we eat, right? Your family gets together for Thanksgiving or a Sunday meal or something. It's a time of, of, of feasting. It's rejoicing. It's a good thing. When we got together on July 4th out here eating fried chicken, hallelujah, we weren't Mourning over much. We were excited. We were rejoicing. Man, Miss Demi's throwing pieces of chicken at people or something. I don't know. You're having a good old time out there. All right? But 
what, what he's saying here is that the house of mourning is better than the house of feasting. Why would that be? For that is the end of all men, and the living will lay it to heart. It makes you think, doesn't it? Uh, uh, the house of mourning makes you think more than the time of feasting. It's good to get around friends and rejoice and all that, but we don't, we don't learn much. Sometimes we get through some trials. What does 1 Peter talk about? 1 Peter chapter 1. It says that the trial of your faith being much more precious than gold that goes through the fire. Consider that for a minute. The Lord teaches some stuff. So you, you, you think gold goes through the fire. What happens? It's a refining process. What happens to gold when you heat it up? It melts. And gold is heavy. It's weighty. And it sinks to the bottom. And all those impurities of the earth come to the top, right? The refining process. And what do they do? They take uh, some kind of tool and they wipe away the elements that are not gold. And what do you have left over after the fire? You have pure gold. The Bible talks about how the Word of God is like going through the refining process, going through the, the furnace seven times. Meaning it's not just once, but it's seven times. It's above and beyond. The seven is a number of completion there in the Bible. And he's saying the, whole, the Word of God is perfect. Seven times, complete and perfect. Seven times over. That's Psalm chapter 12 when he describes that. And so what he's saying here is our trials and our, our mourning, when we go through difficult times, it is beneficial to us because we learn and we grow. You can ask Brother Martini. God has increased our faith around here. With this, with this thing is, I'm telling you what, we were, I knew, Mrs. Smith, I knew God was going to give us all the teachers we needed. I knew he was going to. But I, I sure thought that back in April, he'd give us a whole lot more then. And I'm praying, I'm saying, Lord, I know you're going to do this. You didn't give us a Christian school for 50 years to drop us now. We're going to keep going with this thing. Right? And we're praying, and you know how it is. We're, we're praying not just for any old teacher. We're praying for God's will. Right? They got to be the right kind of person. They got to fit a right, right spot. They got to be who God wants to be, them to be here. Right? They got to be exactly whom God wants to be, not just any old person. Brother Trumpy, I love you, but we're not putting you in K3, brother. Okay? We're not doing that. All right? Because I don't believe that would be right, and I don't think that's God's will for him. Now, he's back here. I praise God. It ain't God's will. Amen. And, and I knew God was going to do that, but I'm praying and I'm waiting. And I'm praying, and I'm waiting, right? And we're, we started to fill some different teaching positions. But then it got into July. Lord, bless God, hallelujah. It's going to be today. And you, you can ask Brother Martini, his pastoral staff, we spent time on our knees before God saying, Lord, are you going to show us today? Where are they at? Help us, please. And he increased our faith. That was not an easy thing. It was a difficult thing. It wasn't difficult when you consider other things in life, but it was a stress upon us that we're praying and saying, Lord, when are you going to show us? When are you going to show us? Help us. And he increased our faith. And wouldn't you know it? Just this week, he showed himself strong. He answered the prayer. And now we are much better for it because we have now seen God work and answer prayer. Praise God. Yes, praise the Lord, okay? And so we see what he's saying here. It helps us. It helps us to think. It helps us to grow. 
Verse, uh, verse number three, sorrow is better than laughter. For by the sadness, sadness of the countenance, the heart is made better. Again, sorrow helps us to think. Laughter is good. We, we understand that the Bible talks about it. It's, it's good for the, the, the marrow of our bones and all of that. It helps us. And it, and, uh, but sorrow is better than that because it helps us to think. It helps us to grow. We do, we don't, wouldn't you say you pray a whole lot more when you're going through a difficult time and a lot fervent, more fervently when you're going through difficult times than you do when you're on the mountaintop, don't you? Our prayer life changes. And it helps us and it develops us to be who we're supposed to be. You know that. Some of you know that from difficult trials you've been through. The, the sweet, pretty flowers don't grow on the mountain peaks. Where do they grow? Down in the valley. Down in the valley. You've got to go through, the, through some valleys so God can turn you into something sweet and something precious. Amen? Verse 4, the heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of mirth. What is mirth? Mirth is pleasure. It's, it's laughter. It's pleasure. It's, it's, it's something that uh, people chase after because it, it's desirable, right? And he's saying here that the wise man is paying attention to the days of mourning because he's going to learn from it. Verse 5, it is better to hear the rebuke of the wise than for a man to hear the song of fools. That's a difficult time, isn't it? Think about the song of fools. Uh, Someone who's not your friend trying to pat your back and trying to build you up, perhaps, but a true friend, the Bible says, will correct you when you need it. Amen? Men in this church, we need to remember that. When another man comes to us and tries to help us, Let's, let's forget our pride and say, let me hear the rebuke of a friend because he's trying to help me because we're prideful. And what do we do? We get puffed up and what? That's our pride. And, and what Solomon and what the Lord's trying to teach us here is it's better, it's better, verse 5, to hear the rebuke of the wise than for a man to hear the song of fools, meaning praise just being praised all the time. Just getting praised by, by just even silliness. Or all oh, this and that. And, and it's easy for somebody in my position to get praised a lot. And you, it builds you up. And all of a sudden I can't fit out the door because my head's so big. And God has to humble me. What does the Bible teach? That God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. All right? Let's remember that rebuke. Can, would anybody in here perfect? No, that means that we should be hearing some rebuke. That means that when we come to the preaching time, that the Holy Spirit ought to be able to step on our toes and we respond accordingly because we're not perfect. And that's where we swallow our pride and we respond to the Lord. And it's better for us. It's better for us. I I said this uh, recently. We don't go to the doctors to get patted on the back. We go to the doctors because we have a problem. We say, Doc, what's going on? Help me. What do I got to fix? The Bible says it's like a mirror. We look into it to see where we don't line up with the holy God and that we can fix it. James says it's like a mirror. And I don't know about you, but I got to look in the mirror and I got to take care of some things in the morning. We'll get it. 
Take care of it, right? Verse 6. For as the crackling of thorns under a pot, so is the laughter of the fool. This also is vanity. I didn't understand that verse. I was looking and studying it, and I didn't get it. And so I went to a commentary on it and uh, then pulled this out of the pulpit commentaries that I have, and and, uh, it was helpful to me. It says this. I want to read this to you. It says, For as the crackling of thorns under a pot. There is a play of words in the Hebrew. The crackling of serum under a seer. That's the Hebrew words there. Which is expressed, if you express it by translating it, it's like saying, like the noise of the nettles under the kettles. It's a play on words. In the east and where wood is scarce, thorns, hay, and stubble are used for fuel. Such materials are quickly kindled, blaze up for a time with much noise, and soon die away. So is the laughter of the fool. The point of comparison is the loud crackling and the short duration of the fire with small results. So the fool's mirth is boisterous and noisy, but comes to a speedy end and is spent to no good purpose. So in Job, we have the triumphing of the wicked is short and the joy of the, of the godless, but for a moment. All this profitless mirth is again nothing but vanity. All right. So what he's saying is, is that you would use um, uh, use a tumbleweed under the pot to to get the water boiling, or use uh, use sticks, uh, uh, some kindling instead of wood, and, and some light things, some thorns and thistles and such. And yes, that'll blaze right up, but it's gone very short, very quick, and it'll crackle and it'll pop and all that like fire does. Verse seven. Surely oppression. Maketh a wise man mad, and a gift destroyeth the heart. Consider this comparison here oppression. Oppression. Some people in this world and some people in history have seen a whole lot more of that than we have. When they're impressed. When people in power are over top of them, oppressing them, and think about through the the, king, the the judges, the book of Judges, when when I think it was the Moabites, if I'm not mistaken, under was it Gideon and the Moabites, I think it was, and and the Bible says they'd come in during harvest time and they'd burn their crops. Like Israel was being oppressed, that just being bullied and and beat up and just taken taken uh, and and cast aside, really. And God used Gideon to bring a great victory for that. But um, was it the Moabites? Am I saying that correctly? I think it was. If I'm saying that uh, correctly there. One of those enemies circling around him, amen. But uh, it says that specifically how they'd come in and do that. And oppression here. He says, surely oppression maketh a wise man mad. I can't comprehend this. How is this, is this person doing this? How can they live with this and yet put me under their foot? But then he goes on here and he says... And a gift destroyeth the heart. There's the opposite of that. There's the bribery to somebody in power. Right? And, and there's the other side of it. Well, this person's being oppressed over here while this person is feeding a gift to the person in power to get whatever they want. It brings us to madness. It brings us to madness. He continues, verse 8. Better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. And the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. 
All right. So he's, he's teaching us, uh, again, he's saying it again here. Uh, the beginning, uh, excuse me, the end is better than the beginning. When he's talking about patience and spirit here, he's talking about somebody who's quick to react. All right. Look at verse 9. Be not hasty in thy spirit to be angry, for anger resteth in the bosom of fools. The bosom of fools. Anger will destroy our life very quickly. What does God say? Be angry and sin not. Don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. There's some wisdom right there for us that are married. Amen? Don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. Don't go to bed angry. Get that thing fixed. Fix that thing, right? That's what he's teaching us here. He says, but he says in verse 9, don't be hasty in spirit. Uh, don't, don't, uh, don't be quick to explode, for anger resteth in the bosom of fools. So that's our flesh. That's our flesh. We like to get angry. We like to react. Why? Because you're, you're attacking me or you're or hurting my pride and we blow up in our flesh. That's when we fed this, what you can see, our flesh, our feelings, our soul on the inside instead of walking in the spirit. Anybody else there? Come on now. This, we, we, are, we are sinners, yes? And men especially, but sometimes ladies. But we have the ability to get poked a little bit and we react. And we spit things out of our mouth so quickly. And he's saying, don't do that. Don't be hasty. You're being a fool. You're being foolish. Goes on to verse 10. Say not thou, what is the cause that the former days were better than these? For thou dost not inquire wisely concerning this. Interesting. I believe we talked about this perhaps last week. We say sometimes, remember the, remember the 60s or the 50s or remember the 1880s, the good old days. Remember? He's, you know what he's saying here? He says, don't dream that. Don't chase that dream because it's not wise. It's not wise. God in his wisdom Put me right here in 2022 in his wisdom for a purpose, for a reason. And we look around and we say, well, our country's doing this and our leadership's doing this. And, and uh, man, the, uh, the schools are doing this and all that. And oh, for the good old days. And he said, that's not wise. Because you're dreaming of something else instead of looking right where God puts you right now. This goes back to chapter 6. And on back, I believe, to chapter 3 and others where he said, enjoy where God has put you right here and be content with what he's given you. The work of your hands to enjoy it. That is the good thing that God has given us to do. A man ought to work and he ought to enjoy with, uh, with what he's able to do with his hands and be content with that right where God put him. Yeah, but remember this. It would be easy for somebody, uh, maybe perhaps myself. Remember the good old days when I used to make a bunch of money and I, you know, I didn't have to give 10% of it away to God and all that stuff. And I didn't do this and I could have been there and I could have made this. It's not wise. That's what he's telling us. It's not wise. Or being discontent. Think about Israel. I'll say this and we'll be done. Thinking about Israel. What did they do? They came out of Egypt. They came out of bondage. They were crying for a deliverer. They were looking and praying for Moses for years. And God heard their prayers and gave them Moses. 
at the perfect time, as soon as they got out of Egypt, what do they start doing? What are we doing in the wilderness? We got no food. We got no water. Look, you've left us to die. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna get us captives and return into Egypt. Remember them leeks that we got to eat and them frogs and them whatever's they were talking about, right? Frog legs and, and boogers or what? I don't know what they said. There was something in there. Something didn't sound very good, okay? And they were complaining about all the things. Onions, that's what they said. They said onions and leeks, didn't they? I don't know why they were dreaming of that, but whatever. Manna, I'll take manna over that stuff. All right. But they were talking about what they had once in Egypt. And they were going after, they're saying, we're going to return. Remember what we used to have. They forgot that they were in bondage. They forgot that they had a, a whip on their back from the taskmasters. That they weren't their own. That they didn't have freedom. That they weren't able to do what they wanted to do. And what God called them, what God wanted them to do. They were under bondage. And yet they were longing for it. What he's saying is, it's not wise. Because you're longing for something your heart is chasing after. And this thing is deceitful. When you think of the past, you dream about something you desired. And you forget the trouble. You know that's the truth. Yeah, sometimes we, we, at nighttime, we dream things and we remember things and things come up from the past and that's coming out of our heart, the seat of our emotions, the soul, what, the inner us where all that stuff is, it, where a man is defiled from what's in the inside, right? Our flesh, our sin, and it comes out and we dream and chase after things that aren't right and God's saying, it's not wise. Be content where you're at. Continues to teach on here. We're out of time. And so we'll pick up here in verse 11 next time. And so uh, uh, praise God for the scripture here. Learning some things. It's difficult sometimes to see these passages. You know, look at Solomon in, in the book of Ecclesiastes. And he's saying, all is vanity. But we take the time to understand the context and understand some of these words. We look at him and he says, man, it's better to go to a funeral than it is a party. Seems odd, doesn't it? But you consider that we grow and we're growing closer to the Lord and we learn things through that. It's not that he wasn't saying never go to a party, never go to feasting. Praise God he didn't say that. Amen. Come on. Brother Shane, come on. Right? But he's saying that I learn more when I go through difficulties. So don't throw it away. Learn something from it. Learn something from it. Lord, help us tonight as we consider the scripture you've given us. Thank you for the book of Ecclesiastes. Thank you, Lord, that these folks here tonight, they're core believers, godly people that study the word of God and find out the truth. Thank you for what you've taught us. Thank you for illuminating the scripture to us, Holy Spirit. And I pray that you'd bless us. Again, Lord, I'm just reminded uh, of Josh and Cheyenne, Lord. I think about the Russ family, and I pray that you'd comfort these folks even tonight and help them, please, in this difficult time. I think about uh, the Newman family as well and the difficulties they have there, Lord, with these, these deaths and these. Uh, God, I just pray you'd meet, uh, meet the needs of these folks and help them comfort. Lord, thank you for our church. I pray that we would be faithful to soul winning and to the activities, Lord, that are this weekend and all that and church on Sunday. And God, we thank you for what you're going to do. Bless us now, please, in Jesus' name. Amen.